Download the Walking by Faith app today to follow along. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we are vested with the authority to confront and resist the devil. It is our God's desire that the victory achieved by Jesus over the forces of darkness be made known through us. We do this not merely by reciting words, but by living out the truth of the gospel in our daily lives. Today, we're gonna to start unmasking some signs of demonic activity. So let's check it out. We're in a series of messages where we're talking about knowing our enemy. The Bible tells us, least Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. When we're ignorant of what the devil does, literally, he will come and eat your lunch. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. So the Christian that does not resist the devil literally is open to the attacks of the devil. And it's, it's very sad, but many people who are Christians, they think that the attacks of the enemy are either just circumstances, and some of them actually think that they're from God. And because they think that, they do not resist the enemy. Jesus said in John 10, he said, I've come that you might have life. But he said, the thief, the devil, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The things that kill, that steal, and destroy, those things do not come from God. And as a believer, we need to know that, and we need to resist them. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians live their entire life as if the devil does not exist. You see, you cannot have the victory that God has for you without recognizing you have an enemy and resisting that enemy. Because it's when you resist him that he flees. Uh, some people think, well, that resisting is just something, you know, for some super Christian, but it is for every single believer. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus has uh, cast out an evil spirit. And the Pharisees are saying, well, he's casting out devils, but he's doing it by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. But Jesus answered and said, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what Jesus said is this part of the kingdom of God is dealing with the devil. It's resisting the devil. It's casting out the devil. That's part of the kingdom. How many of you pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of his kingdom coming is you're resisting the devil and you're dealing with the devil and casting the devil out or telling the devil to go when he needs to go. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible tells us, to the intent now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Now, it's talking about the wisdom of God. The, the 11th verse tells us it's talking about his eternal purpose. So God has an eternal purpose plan. And that plan is revealed by the church. To whom? To principalities 
and powers in heavenly places. That's Satan and demons. So what Jesus wants, God's plan, is for you, the church. This building is not the church. You and I, we're the church. And it's God's plan that his wisdom might be made known to Satan and demons, principalities and powers in heavenly places through the church. What that means is this. We are supposed to demonstrate Satan's defeat. He is a defeated foe. Colossians chapter 2 says that Jesus brought him, one translation says, to naught. That's zero. He made a public spectacle of Satan and demon power triumphing over them in it the cross. Jesus defeated the devil. He gave that victory to you and I, the church. And we're supposed to demonstrate, enforce that victory. Now, my, 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 my car sits right out there, my, my Ford. My, my Ford, I have a very pretty Ford pickup. All right. Now, it has a key fob. And when the service is over, I'm going to go out there with my key fob, and I will, in fact, I don't even need to hit the button, but I could hit the button. If I just, if I just touch the car with a fob in my hand, boom, it opens up. You get inside, put your foot on a brake, touch a button, boom, 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 boom. there we go. Right. That's my car. I paid for it. Listen, if you have the key fob, the door will open for you. If you have the key fob, the start button is going to work for you. If you have the key fob, that car will take off for you. Now, it doesn't matter that I paid for it. What matters is who has the key fob. Now, when Jesus defeated the devil, it doesn't matter that Jesus defeated the devil because the key fob is his name. Mark 16, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. List begins with, they will cast out demons. So it's not Jesus who has to cast out demons. I've, I've had people, I've listened to people pray, oh God, kick out the devil. Oh God, cast out the devil. Oh God. No, 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 no. You have the key fob. You have Jesus' name. And you need to use the authority that has been given to you. Now, you shouldn't go up to my car with a hammer to see if it'll open. Please use the key fob. Use Jesus' name. There is victory in his name. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. You. This is for every believer. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it literally is talking about the end of the age. How many realize we are about at the end of this age? Jesus is coming soon. But it says, but the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Huh? Who? The people that know their God. That should be you and I, the church. God's plan, his manifold wisdom, is that the church, the church would demonstrate to principalities and powers God's plan, the victory that we have in Christ. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jesus came to do. His entire earthly ministry, if you look at it, was in conflict with the devil. 
That's literally what it was. In fact, if you go back even before Jesus came, uh, God had made promises to Abraham. And he had promised him that through his seed, the Messiah was going to come. And he made promises to Abraham and his seed, the Jewish people. He made promises. So in order to thwart God's plan, Satan had Pharaoh say, take all of the male babies and throw them in the Nile. What was he trying to do? Keep God from fulfilling his purpose. Then later, there was a man by the name of Haman. And his plan was a total genocide of every Jewish person. Man, woman, child, didn't matter. Kill them all. Kill them all. You know, we had not that long ago a man with the same spirit named Hitler. Took six million Jews, men, women, children, and killed them. What was he trying to do? He was trying to eliminate the people that God had made a promise to, that God is still going to fulfill promises to. And, and I, I just wrote down, just maybe 10 minutes ago, I, I wrote down on my paper to uh, bring a message. Sometime in the next several months, I want to bring a message on God's promise to the Jewish people and what we as Christians, our attitude should be towards the Jewish people. We, we need to know God's made some promises to them. He's going to fulfill those promises. And what attitude should you and I have about the Jewish people? But look at Jesus. Jesus, he's, he's, he's just a baby. But Herod tries to have Jesus killed and kills all the baby boys, two years old and under, in the vicinity of Bethlehem. But God had appeared to Joseph in a dream, and they flee to Egypt. Now, uh, many of you may not, not realize, but Herod actually pursued Joseph, Mary, and Jesus into Egypt. And uh, the Coptic church is the church of Egypt. And if you go there, they, will sh they have 26 locations where Jesus, Joseph, and Mary hid from Herod. 26 locations that they, they identified. Then, of course, Jesus shows up, and he's tempted in the wilderness. Jesus is casting out demons. And by the way, demons are simply Satan's army of fallen spirits. They bring suffering, sorrow, death, lack, addiction, depression, hate, where Jesus comes to save, to heal, and to deliver. The ministry of Jesus consisted of three things, teaching, healing, and bringing deliverance. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Now, the Bible is not trying to placate ignorant people. Right? Demon spirits are real. Satan is real. He is a fallen, malevolent being that hates you and wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirit with a word and healed all that were sick. Now, it's kind of unfortunate that the King James Bible and many of our translations use the, to say demon-possessed or possessed with devils is what the King James says. 
Now, really, there's just one devil, and there's a lot of demons, all right? But the King James Bible was translated in 1611 at a time when there was a tremendous fascination with Satan and demons, all right? Uh, the Greek just literally says demonized or exercised or vexed by an evil spirit. We could really even translate it demon trouble. Demon trouble. The Williams translation, a modern translation, says many who were under the power of the devil or under the influence of the devil. First John 5, verse 19, Amplified Translation says it this way. He says, we know positively that we, how many of you believers, are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power, other translations say sway, influence of the evil one. So the world is under whose power? The devil's. Right? That's why there's hate, there's war, there's sickness, there's disease, there's poverty. Why? Because of the devil. That's why. The whole world around us is under the power of the devil. So I wanted to go to Mark chapter 5 and look at a man who is troubled by demon spirits. And this is an extreme case, but there are 12 things I want to talk to you about out of this account. So I'm going to go ahead and read the whole account. You can listen, look on the screen. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you don't torment me. Now, this isn't the man speaking. This is an evil spirit speaking through the man. For he said to him, that's Jesus, said to the spirit, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he, the spirit, answered him, oh, excuse me, Jesus said, answered him, what's your name? And he, the spirit, answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he wouldn't send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Uh, we know exactly where this happened, because there's just one place around the Sea of Galilee where there's cliffs and there are... are uh, like caves that were used to bury people. There were tombs, and there would be dead, dead bodies inside those tombs. So then Jesus gave these spirits permission 
they went into the pigs and the pigs immediately run off the cliff and commit suicide. And this is where you get deviled hands. <laughs> those who fed the swine and those told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the one who'd been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them what had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him, with Jesus, to depart from their region. And when Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. The Bible does not tell us how this man became demonized. It just begins with the fact that he is demonized. It could be that he had gotten involved in an occult practice, continually yielding to a sin, some sort of perverse, unnatural sexual activity, hatred, bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how unforgiveness opens the door. But this man did something that gave entry to an evil spirit into his life, right? And, and that spirit eventually gained more and more control to the point where we would say he became insane. But what he did, first of all, he cut off association with his friends and his family. And he's driven by demons. Satan drives people. And he's living near the sea in these cliffs. He's literally living in the tombs. He lives in a cemetery. The Bible says he wears no clothes and he's running around and he's mutilating himself. He takes stones and he cuts himself. He has no rest. He says he's doing this day and night, right? And, and literally he's crying out. He's, it's like he's howling. He's, he's screaming. People are afraid of him because he's become extremely violent and extremely powerful. He breaks chains of iron that he's been put in. When Jesus comes to the region, that man sees Jesus from afar off, and he runs and falls at Jesus' feet. Now listen, Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it, but the devil can't make you do it. This man has a legion, which is over 6,000 demons inside him. Every demon is telling him, run. But this man gathers his will and somehow he knows if I can get to Jesus, there is hope. And this man, in spite of 6,000 demons, runs and falls at Jesus' feet and worships him. Listen, the devil cannot make you do anything. Flip Wilson is wrong. The devil cannot make you do it. You can submit to him, but he cannot control you. Right? You cannot control you. So Jesus comes to the region. The man sees him comes, falls at Jesus' feet. Jesus spoke the word and commanded that spirit to come out. The pegs are nearby. Jesus gives them permission. They go into the pegs immediately. The pegs commit suicide. The people that are watching the pegs run to town. 
they come back with the townspeople and they find this man. He is sitting at Jesus' feet. He's listening to Jesus. He is clothed and in his right mind. Listen, public nudity is a sign of demonic activity. And getting as close to public nudity as you can and not get in trouble is a sign of demonic activity. When the devil was out of this man, he is clothed. He's in his right mind and he's clothed. Now, this is really an extreme example, right? But there are 12 signs of demonic activity in this account we see in this man. And so I want to just kind of start talking to you about signs of demonic activity. Number one is a withdrawal from social interaction. A withdrawal from social interaction. This man withdrew from his friends and his family. And when we find him, he's living alone in the tombs of dead people. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 in verse 1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all sound judgment. You were created for relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with people. You were created for that. But the devil will want to isolate you. Right? Uh, probably most of you buy bananas at Costco. So let me tell you what happens when you buy bananas at Costco. They, co they go to your house. And the first one that gets separated from the bunch is the first one that gets eaten. And that is a great spiritual truth. <laughs> when you get separated, all right, from people that love you, that want to encourage you, that want to build you up. It's the devil trying to isolate you so he can have you for lunch. All right. Uh, I think a great example of this is Samson. Um, this is a man, you know, we, we have Samsonite luggage. It's supposed to be super strong. Uh, Samson had, had tremendous strength. The Bible says he's attacked by a lion. And he grabs the lion and tears it apart like you would a newborn lamb. Just tears it apart with his own arms. Now, Samson gets married. He is he's called by God. He's anointed by God. But when he gets married, this is what the Bible says, they had to find 30 men to be his friends. See, he didn't have one friend. How many know if you don't even have one friend, you're in trouble? He was a loner. He was isolated. He was called of God, but the devil managed to isolate him. About 10 years later, the Bible says that he goes to Gaza and he goes and sleeps with a prostitute. Everybody go yuck, yuck. Yuck, yuck. If you're, if you're from Mexico, go fuchi, fuchi. Okay, same thing. Yuck, yuck. Okay. Now, if he had had one friend, just one, this is what his friend would have said. Samson! You're a man of God and you do not belong here. Let's get out of here now. That's the type of friend you need. You don't need the whatever friend. You need the friend who's going to encourage you. And when you're moving in the wrong direction, says, hey, this is the wrong direction. Let's get out of here. That's the type of friend you need. But Samson didn't have that kind of friend. Ten years later, he's in the valley of Sorek with Delilah. Again, alone, alone. 
alone. The devil wants to isolate you, keep you away from friends and family that'll help you. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Those are the kind of friends that you and I need. The devil wants you alone. He wants you isolated. He wants you depressed and he wants you suicidal. That's what the devil wants. Number two, right? A tormented mental state, right? I want to just say this. The devil hates you. Now, he hates you for a variety of reasons. Number one, he hates you because God loves you. The devil hates God and he can't hurt God. But to hurt God, he wants to hurt those that God loves. How many of you know it hurts you more when someone you love hurts than when you hurt yourself? So that's reason number one. Number two is you're going, you, you literally are going to take the devil's place. You, you get his job. Ezekiel chapter 28 says that in the day Satan was created, right, the workmanship of his tabrets and pipes were prepared in him. Um, I will just tell you right now, I don't understand it completely, but Satan had musical instruments in his body. And many scholars tell us that Satan was the choir director in heaven. But when we get to heaven, we're going to be part of the choir. Kind of like we get his job. In Job 14, 14, in Job 4, in verse 19, we find a demon spirit is coming to one of Job's friends and talking to him. You know, I always consider, you know, the Bible is God's word that came down from heaven, and it is. But there is a small portion of the Bible which is actually, how do we say this, demon spirits that came from hell speaking. Now, it records what the devil's, what the demon said. This is what the demon said. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth. You see, the, the devil like looks at us and says, look, they're weak. They're made out of dirt, right? They're, 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 they're clay. When they die, their bodies return to the dust, it seems like anything can kill him. He said, they're crushed before a moth. You know? And the devil looks at us and despises us. But yet, a man came, a man came and defeated the devil. See, the Bible says this, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children, that's you and me, have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself likewise, shared in the same. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body just like yours. All right? Philippians 2, theologians call this the kenosis, but this is what it means. Jesus, when he came, he did not come and live as God. He came as a man. He referred to himself as the son of man. Philippians 2, he emptied himself of all of his privileges all of his ability, all of his innate deity, and he came as a man, right? Jesus called himself a prophet. So he came and he ministered as a man, a prophet under the old covenant. He came and partook of flesh and blood that for he himself shared in the same that through death he might destroy him that had the devil. So somebody in a body exactly like yours 
flesh and blood, came and defeated the devil. Now, the devil hates that truth more than any truth in the entire Bible, right? So this is what the Bible says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. By this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So there is coming a man who is the Antichrist, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Hitler had the spirit of the Antichrist. Right? Haman had the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, there's going to be a man, but there is a spirit. Now, the way the Bible says you can tell that spirit is it will not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Because for the devil to confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is to confess his defeat. Now, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2 that Jesus brought him to naught. You know, we talk about the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's God speaking to you and to me. It's the will of God, and it is absolute truth. And we say the Bible has got the, gr the great answers to life's questions, and, and it is true. But the Bible also has the greatest questions. Let me give you a couple of them. The Bible says, what is your life? Think about that. What's your life? Somebody say, well, my life's my family. Somebody say, my life's a wreck. Somebody else might say, my life's my job. Somebody else would have the answer, well, my life's going nowhere. My life is, is my spouse, my kids. But the Bible answers the question. And the Bible says, what's your life? It's but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. You know, in the North Country where we live, it's cold in the winter. And you go outside and you breathe and you see your breath. And in two or three seconds, it's gone. And the Bible says, that's what your life is like. In light of eternity, your life is just like a vapor that's here and it's gone. Another question from the Bible, what will the end be? Someday your body will wear out and die. And when that happens, what is the end going to be? Well, the, the Bible says it is a multiple choice, but it's only two choices. It's A, I'm going to spend eternity with God in fellowship with him in a place we call heaven, or I'm going to spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment that's called hell. A third question, a jailer comes to a man named Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul answers that question and says that you need to believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no other Savior. There's no good works I can do. I can't pray enough or give enough or fast enough. Nothing that I can do can make me right with God. But Jesus came, died on a cross, shed his blood, and paid for your and my sins. And the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So I want to pray with you, and I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. So once you repeat this, make this, these words your own, say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious 
over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my King, and I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom now, today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you're right with God. Now, I've written a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. And all the information is right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You're making one of the best decisions of your life. If you're still working on that decision, we have people standing by at walkingbyfaith.tv who want to answer your questions. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it there instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life full of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gifts will help continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empower them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He'll pour out a blessing upon you just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Are you ready to outsmart the devil and claim victory in your life? Pastor Dwayne's book, 21 Things the Devil Cannot Do, is the ultimate guide to stopping the enemy in his tracks. Discover the devil's limitations and unlock the power within you with this practical and empowering guide. Don't miss out. Get your copy today at walkingbyfaith.tv and step into a life of triumph over the forces of darkness. If you're in need of prayer for any reason, we'd love to connect with you. By scanning this QR code, you can send us a prayer request, download our app, read our weekly devotional, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. Let us arm ourselves with faith, love, and the power of God's word as we confront the forces of darkness and declare victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you next time.